Welcome to Music History Episode 1. I'm your host, Dylan Hodge from the HodgePodge Podcast. And on this episode of Music History, go into the life, career, and death of country music's first superstar, Hank Williams Sr. From his birth in 1923 to his rise to fame in the late 1940s, to his alcohol and painkillers addiction that contributed to his death on New Year's Day in 1953. This is music history, and this is Hank Williams. You know, Dano's seasoning is changing the world one table at a time by offering the best all-natural low-sodium seasoning products on the market. Dano's goals are to provide you with real flavors to make healthier food choices without ever having to sacrifice the real taste. Dano's includes low sodium, which is only 50 milligrams per serving. It has all-natural unrefined sea salt. There's no sugar, no MSG, no chemicals, and it's completely gluten-free. Also, there's 100% natural ingredients. Dano seasoning is the most versatile seasoning on the market. Grill, smoke, bake, create soups, sauces, marinades. You can also sprinkle Dano's on your eggs, your potatoes, maybe some pizza, maybe some pasta, and even while you're watching a movie, sprinkle some Dano's on popcorn. Heck, if you're crazy, why don't you put some Dano's on ice cream? Any food that exists, you can put some Dano's on it. Go to danoseasoning.com, use my promo code HodgePodge, capital H and a capital P, and HodgePodge. Guys, remember to do that. Um, just like the spelling of the podcast, a capital H and a capital P in HodgePodge. You can try all three flavors, which include original, spicy, and hot chipotle right now today. It's damn good. Yum, yum. Get you some. Country music's first superstar, Hiram Williams, was born September 17, 1923, with spina bifida in Mount Olive, Alabama. He was the third child to Lon and Lily Williams, and the Williams family grew up with very little money. In fact, they were plain poor. Lon worked as a railroad engineer for the W.T. Smith Lumber Company after serving in World War I. It was there where he was severely injured after falling from a truck, breaking his collarbone and suffering a severe blow to the head. When Hiram was only six, Lon was admitted to the Veterans Administration Hospital after suffering from facial paralysis caused by a brain aneurysm. He remained there hospitalized for eight years, being absent from little Hiram's childhood. Lily took over the responsibility for the family. In 1934, Lily moved the family to Greenville, Alabama, where she opened up a boarding house next to the Butler County Courthouse. They again moved in 1935, this time to Garland, Alabama, where Lily opened up yet another boarding house. Later that year, the Williams moved in with Cousin Opal in Georgiana, Alabama. It was there where Lily worked several side jobs to support and feed her family, despite the economic downpour of the Great Depression. In 
She worked in a cannery and also served as a night nurse in a local hospital. It took a lot of hard work, but Lily was finally able to buy her family a house of their own. It was all going okay, good, and according to Lily's plan, until that very house she bought from the hard work burned to the ground along with all of their possessions. They then moved to another house on the other side of town, which Lily would then, yet again, turn into another boarding house. This house was where the Williams's luck would finally turn around, it seemed. Williams and his sister Irene grew diverse crops in a small garden that they planted in the back of the house. The brother and the sister duo walked around Georgiana and sold the crops that they grew. By complete happenstance, Williams ran into U.S. Representative J. Lester Hill. J. Lester Hill bought some crops and the boys struck up a conversation with him. He told Hill about their financial struggles and the need to collect Lon's disability pension. They were struggling. With the help of J. Lester Hill, the Williamses began collecting Lon's pension and finally were able to get through the Great Depression alive. Now, there are several different stories about how Hiram Williams got his first guitar. I'm going to read a couple of here, and you can decide for yourself which one makes sense. The first story, his mother says that she was the one who bought him the guitar, saving up the money from selling peanuts. Now, other neighbors and residents of that town say they were the ones to purchase the guitar for him because they saw potential. Whatever the true story may be, one cannot deny that Williams was miles ahead in musicality. While in Georgiana, Williams ran across a street performer named Rufus T. Tot Payne. It was Payne who taught Williams to play the string instrument. What was the price? Payne ate good old-fashioned home cooking from Lily. T. Tot taught Williams everything he knew about the guitar, from chords, chord progressions, to the musical style of accompaniment. These teachings would be heard around the world soon enough in a genre that is now called country music. The Williams family then moved to Montgomery, Alabama in 1937 after Hiram got into a fight with the teacher and the school board wouldn't fire the teacher. Payne and Williams then lost touch, and Williams credits Payne as his one and only teacher. Twelve years later, in 1949, Williams would record a song called My Bucket's Got a Hold in It, a song Payne taught him. Yeah, my bucket's got a hole in it. Yeah, my bucket's got a hole in it. Yeah, my bucket's got a hole in it. I can't buy no beer. Well, I'm standing on the corner. 1937 was a big year for the Williams family and for Hiram at that. It was then that he decided to change his name to a more hillbilly and western-sounding name. Hank Williams was born. That same year, Hank entered a talent show at the Empire Theater. He sang his first original song called WPA Blues, winning first prize in $15. After school and on the weekends, Hank would play his guitar on the sidewalk of the WSFA radio station. 
These performances, along with his talent show win, intrigued the DJs at WSFA and invited him to perform on air occasionally with a guitar and a microphone. Many letters. So many letters. Actually, all the letters that the station received wanted all of the singing boy that they could get. So the producers then hired Hank to host his own radio show twice a week, 15 minutes, or a salary of $15 a week, which in today's money is $300. In August of 1938, Lon returned home from the Veterans Hospital. Lily would not let Lon take back over his head of the household. She had worked and tried too hard. He stayed for only a month, celebrated Hank's birthday before returning to the hospital. Soon after, Lon was dead. With the success of Hank's radio show, he was finally able to start a band, and pay them at least. The Drifting Cowboys included guitarist Braxton Shuffert, Freddie Beach on the fiddle, comedian Smith Hazy Adair, 13-year-old steel guitarist Jimmy Porter, and guitarist Arthur Whitting. The band began traveling throughout Alabama performing for clubs and private events. Soon, Williams got the bug and dropped out of school in 1939, and with his mother as their manager, the drifting cowboys began traveling out of state to play for whoever would have them, including playing in movie theaters before the movies played. Hank's alcohol abuse started during the touring and the traveling. He'd occasionally spend 90% of the band's revenue on his addiction. In 1942, World War II became the beginning of hard knocks for Hank Williams. He became medically disqualified from service due to a back injury sustained from falling off of a bull in Texas. All of the band members were drafted to serve, except for Hank. So, Hank drank. And he drank more. And then he drank some more. In August, the WSFA fired Hank for habitual drunkenness. During the war, he worked at a shipbuilding company in Mobile, Alabama. Then, in 1943, Hank Williams met Audrey Shepard in Banks, Alabama. The two moved in together and soon moved back to Montgomery to start a band and to regain Hank's radio show. The couple married in 1944 in Andalusia, Alabama at a Texaco station by the Justice of the Peace. It was her second marriage and his first. Soon the marriage was declared illegal since Shepard's divorce did not comply with the 60-day trial reconciliation. The following year, Hank began to perform again at the WSFA radio station, performing his newly written songs. He soon published his first songbook and got newfound attention. Aubrey then became his manager. In September of 1946, Williams auditioned for the Grand Ole Opry. Hank Williams was rejected from the Grand Ole Opry. After failing, the couple went to the president of the publishing company, Acuff and Rose Music, Fred Rose. Audrey called Fred's bluff and asked for him to hear Hank's songs. After hearing and enjoying Williams' style, Rose signed Hank to a six-song contract. In December of 1946, Williams recorded the songs Wealth Won't Save Your Soul, Calling You, among others. The recordings of Never Again and Honky Tonkin became successful and earned Hank Williams his first recording contract with MGM Records. 
1947, MGM released Move It On Over to the radio stations, and it became a massive country hit. In 1948, Hank joined the radio show The Louisiana Hayride. This led Hank hosting a show on KWKH and touring across Louisiana and Texas. After a couple of okay moderate hits on the radio, Williams released his version of the 1922 song Lovesick Blues. This version of the song became a gigantic hit for country radio and for Hank alone, staying at the top of the charts for four straight consecutive months. Crossing over to mainstream and giving Williams his moment on the Grand Ole Opry. He was the first performer in the history of the Grand Ole Opry to receive six encores. He brought together Bob McNett, Helius Buttram, Jerry Rivers, and Don Helms together to form the most famous version of the Drifting Cowboys. The band earned $1,000 a show, which in today's money is $10,900. That year, Audrey gave birth to Randall Hank Williams. Williams released seven hit songs after Love Sick Blues. 1950, Hank Williams decides he wants to record religious and or gospel music. Afraid that the radio DJs and country radio wouldn't play Hank's gospel music, he began using the alias Luke the Drifter. Though the identity of Luke was kind of supposed to be anonymous, Hank Williams would regularly perform the songs on stage, including the hit I Saw the Light. So during this time, more hit songs by the actual Hank Williams would be released. In 1951, his song Dear John became a hit. It wasn't until the B-side of the record was accidentally played on air that Cold Cold Hard became his most recognized songs. In the late summer of 1951, Williams' career peaked. He went on tour of the U.S. with Bob Hope, signed a motion picture deal with MGM. In October of the same year, Williams recorded a demo called there's a tear in my beer. Then, in November, he was a guest on the Perry Como show, where he and the host sang, Hey, Good Looking. It was all looking great for young Hank. He had a wife and a son, Hank Jr., at home. He was playing music and, and making good money. His dreams were coming true. Late 1951. Hank Williams suffers a fall during a hunting trip in Franklin, Tennessee. The fall re-injures his back. To ease the pain, he begins consuming painkillers, morphine, and tons and tons of alcohol. In May of 1952, he was admitted to the North Louisiana Sanitarium for a three-day stint for his alcoholism. On December 13th, Williams had a spinal fusion at the Vanderbilt University Hospital. He moved in with his mother during recovery. His drinking once again, spiraling out of control. In the spring of 1952, Hank makes two appearances on the Kate Smith Show. Not long after this, he meets dancer Bobby Jett and starts to have an affair. The two share a daughter, Jett, whom was born five days after Hank Williams' death. Since Hank married Audrey, the marriage was turbulent and disinterrogated. Combine these problems with Hank's alcohol, morphine, and painkillers addiction, 
and is an appetite for destruction. The couple divorced on May 29, 1952. The next day, Hank wrote some of his saddest songs to date. You went again, and I won't be home no more. In June of that same year, he moved back in with his mother despite the success he had and recorded Jambalaya on the bayou. Around this time, Hank met Billie Jean Jones at the Grand Ole Opry. On August 11, 1952, Hank Williams is dismissed from the Opry due to drunkenness and absence of shows. He would then leave for Shreveport, Louisiana to perform on KWKH Radio in the Louisiana Hayride again. When Hank was sober, his performances were utter perfection. But that was a very rare occasion. In October 1952, Hank Williams marries Billie Jean Jones by the Justice of Peace. As Williams continues to record music, he only gets more drunk and more high. The people that he knew the most and considered friends start to distance themselves from him. By the end of 1952, Williams started to suffer from heart problems. In Oklahoma, he meets Toby Marshall. After a conversation, Toby says that he has a doctor of science. Only problem was, Toby didn't have an official doctor of science. He purchased the fake title for $25. Under the name of Dr. C.W. Lemon, Toby prescribes Hank Williams with amphetamines, secondal, chlorohydrate, and morphine, worsening his heart problems. December 19th, at the Skyline Club in Austin, Texas, Hank Williams unknowingly plays his final show. He was scheduled to perform in Charleston, West Virginia on New Year's Eve in 1952. Due to the ice storm in Nashville, he was unable to fly. He hires college kid Charles Carr to drive him to his shows. Because of the ice, the two would not be able to make Charleston. They were told to drive to Canton, Ohio for the New Year's Day show. At the Andrew Johnson Hotel in Knoxville, Williams sees a doctor if the consumption of chloral hydrate and alcohol goes wrong. He is injected with two shots of B12, which also contains morphine. Williams has to be carried out to the car due to a coughing fit. The two arrive in Bristol, Virginia at midnight on January 1st, 1953. Carr stopped at an all-night diner and asked Hank, Would you like something to eat, Hank? It was there where Hank Williams spoke his final words. I do not. Carr drove all night until stopping for fuel in Oak Hill, where he realizes that Hank Williams has been dead for so long that the rigor mortis has already started to set in. The local police were called. In Williams' Cadillac, there were empty beer cans and unfinished song lyrics. An autopsy reports that Williams passed of insufficiency of the right vertical of the heart. On January 2nd, the body of Hank Williams was transported to Montgomery, Alabama, where it was placed in a casket and displayed at his mother's boarding home. The funeral was held on January 4th at the Montgomery Auditorium. An estimated 25,000 people passed by that silver casket that day. It's considered still the largest event 
ever held in Montgomery, Alabama's history. So if Hank Williams would have survived that night, do you guys think he would have gotten help, realized he was in trouble, reconciled with Aubrey and apologized for his actions, became a better father for his son, little Hank Jr.? Or do you think he still would have drank himself into a death? No one will ever know. This has been Music History, Hank Williams Sr. I'm Dylan Hodge, and this is Music History. You know, Dano's seasoning is changing the world one table at a time by offering the best all-natural low-sodium seasoning products on the market. Dano's goals are to provide you with real flavors to make healthier food choices without ever having to sacrifice the real taste. Dano's includes low-sodium, which is only 50 milligrams per serving. It has all-natural unrefined sea salt. There's no sugar, no MSG, no chemicals, and it's completely gluten-free. Also, there's 100% natural ingredients. Dano seasoning is the most versatile seasoning on the market. Grill, smoke, bake, create soups, sauces, marinades. You can also sprinkle Dano's on your eggs, your potatoes, maybe some pizza, maybe some pasta, and even while you're watching a movie, sprinkle some Dano's on popcorn. Heck, if you're crazy, why don't you put some Dano's on ice cream? Any food that exists, you can put some Dano's on it. Go to danoseasoning.com, use my promo code HodgePodge, capital H and a capital P, and hodgepodge guys remember to do that um just like the spelling of the podcast a capital h and a capital p in hodgepodge you can try all three flavors which include original spicy and hot chipotle right now today it's damn good yum yum get you some <music>